In just three weeks' time, Australia's biggest and most respected media and marketing conference returns to Sydney for what will be three jam-packed days of learning and networking. There's everything from AI and emerging tech shaking up Adland, confronting the industry's big D&I problem, to the sustainability initiative that future-proof your business. If any of those speaks to you, make sure to secure your tickets at mumbrella.com.au forward slash mumbrella360. Fresh off the press this morning, gambling advertisement could be banned within three years if the government adopts the sweeping recommendations of a parliamentary inquiry in what would amount to hundreds of millions of dollars of lost revenue to media operators. The team discusses their initial thoughts on this news before we jump into another audio campaign review with Tim Collier, Integrated Strategy and Planning Partner at Connecting Plots, and Amy Weston, Executive Creative Director at Chev Network. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast, live from Allianz Stadium, because it is excitingly another judging day for Mumbrella Awards. I'm Darcy Song, and joining me on the news chat today is Mumbrella's editor, Shannon Malloy. Hello, how are you? And Mumbrella's editorial director, Damien Francis. There is a certain irony about being at Allianz Stadium, considering what we're about to discuss on the podcast. But uh, yeah, good. Good to be at Mumbrella Awards judging and actually having 100 or so judges around us. It's uh, interesting times. Not that Shannon's been like chasing all of them for comment about uh, betting and wagering advertising, right, Shannon? No, well, I'm busy running around on the field downstairs, living my uh, childhood dream of being a sporting ledger. I'm joking, obviously. <laughs> Everyone just sat there in stunned silence. <laughs> All right, before Shannon and Damien completely give the news topic of today away, Mumbrella reported this morning that recommendations from a parliamentary inquiry into regulating online gambling ads have been handed down, and it consisted of 31 sweeping recommendations. The report, titled You Win Some, You Lose More, looks at areas including television, radio, online, and newspaper, phased in over a three-year period. Shannon, you did the story this morning. Can you tell us a bit more about what stood out to you the most? What stood out to me initially was some of the the research and analysis submitted to the inquiry as, as part of its examination of online betting. Uh, and and the revelation that we gamble more than any other country in the world. Uh, and, and while there are rules around advertising and what you uh, can and can't show at particular times of the day, we're also one of the worst when it comes to regulating uh, gambling and, and gambling advertising on a, on a global scale. The impact of this is pretty significant because uh, obviously Australians might win occasionally, but we lose tens of billions of dollars a year uh, in gambling, and there's a lot of research that the harms from online gambling use is about double that of pokies, and we sort of demonise pokies uh, much more than we do sports betting uh, and such. A lot of that concern has been building for a, a little while now, and it led to the establishment of this parliamentary inquiry in September. Over the past several months, they've had 161 submissions, they've viewed 26 exhibits, uh, and held 13 public hearings. And all of that has culminated today with the handing down of this report, which, as you said, includes 31 recommendations. 
the big one being uh, a ban on advertising of gambling uh, instituted in four phases over the next three years. Uh, what this means is a huge loss of revenue for media operators, uh, online, uh, sorry, gamblers in general, uh, gambling uh, operators spent about $300 million last year, half of which went to TV broadcasters. Uh, so they've been particularly vocal this morning. Um, a few of the other recommendations, just for your interest, uh, is uh, calls for a national uh, regulation of online gambling, crackdown on illegal sites, and legislating a duty of care for operators, which would potentially be another uh, massive blow uh, and open them up to legal action of, of various kinds. So a big morning indeed. Yeah, that is very interesting because, you know, since we published the story just this morning, there have already been a few interesting comments and pointing out to the part where the government sort of said that, you know, in the three years that they were planning to phase in these recommendations, uh, broadcaster can simply go find other brands to make up for that revenue loss. So I guess this is sort of like a question for you both. Is it as simple as that? Can they simply, you know, move on to other advertisers like the like the government thinks? Shannon's going to have a much better response to this than I will. But I, the irony of that statement, particularly after Philip Lowe's recent comments of everyone can just go find a second job or uh, work more hours to get on top of the cost of living crisis. There's some very interesting parallels to that one, but Shannon, I feel you've, you've probably got a less jaded response to that than I do. <laughs> well, perhaps not. Uh, I think maybe, you know, James Warburton could get a, a housemate to help offset the loss of revenue. Um, look, I think if, uh, if any media proprietor, but particularly TV uh, operators, could go and find $150 million dollars uh, in, in revenue, they would have been doing so already. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, regardless of how you feel about gambling, whether you are you know, a gambler yourself or you're, you're vehemently opposed to it, as many are, this is $300 million of revenue that will be lost uh, if this ban uh, is, is instituted uh, and $150 million for TV networks, which are already kind of struggling, I guess, like every other media operator. Um, I don't think it'll be easy to find brands to replace that huge chunk of cash. Look, I think the other thing we've got to bear in mind is that this is not just the TV networks who have to find lost revenue. I mean, you've said it just then, Shannon. Obviously, we, we've seen response uh, from free TV already and, and with $150 million potentially or, or what they would be losing if we use 2022 as the uh, basis for the revenue loss. That's obviously significant. That's half of that three hundred million that you were talking about, Shannon. But this crosses the entirety of our industry. Uh, essentially, agencies, uh, as well as the brands themselves, as well as the media. If you have a look at some of the agencies that are involved with uh, big name uh, betting and wagering companies, as it is uh, Atomic Two One Two and the Monkeys on Entane Group, which is Ladbrokes and Neds. Uh, Essentia Song, Ogilvy uh, on Tab Corp, uh, Frontier and Jim Jam on Blue Bet, um, Gravity Road, Half Dome on Points Bet. Those are just a few examples, and that's certainly not the exhaustive list of agencies working with those brands either, or the exhaustive list of betting and wagering uh, brands either. Just a little bit of an example, you know, those among many others would obviously be significantly uh, affected. But also then the brands uh, like Sportsbet, for example, who have uh, the majority of their work done in-house. There's a huge amount of people 
uh, as well as the brands and the businesses around that that would be affected. So, look, it reminds me of when we were talking about junk food advertising uh, last week. Uh, Darcy, remembering the, the conversation you had with the AANA and, and Josh Fowkes in terms of the opposition to a blanket ban on junk food advertising. Look, I think, you know, I'm waiting for what the AANA response would be to this because I feel it's kind of got to be the same if you're arguing that with the junk food example, there'll be a significant loss of jobs. This over a three-year period would amount in a, I'd probably argue, a a more significant uh, loss in jobs because we are talking uh, essentially about uh, a blanket ban in a relatively short period of time. Uh, now, look, I mean, I, I wrote in the weekend, Mumbo, that I, I'm personally opposed to uh, betting and wagering ads. I, I don't like them, but they are legal businesses with a legal right to advertise at the moment and with a lot of people across the industry uh, relying on that money coming through. So there, there's a very uh, real... Um, I guess, fall out from this if it comes into play and if in three years' time we no longer have betting and wagering uh, advertising running through our systems. Yeah, and there's also, you know, we're talking about $300 million here in lost ad revenue, but there's there's also a, a whole chunk of other money in terms of sponsorship of sporting teams, uh, you know, logos on stadiums and jerseys and all that sort of jazz, uh, which is also potentially uh, not, going to be allowed in three years time so a lot of people lose out on income that you know we're talking about multi-million dollar businesses but still uh, any hit to the bottom line this significant um you know it's worth talking about and i think the thing is see, look, the, the thing that's probably got everyone talking at the moment is is the three-year number i think in reality if we have a look at this there's probably almost a acceptance within the industry that at some stage advertising revenue from betting and wagering businesses will start to disappear and then disappear much like it did the tobacco industry and i'd probably suggest that maybe the same thing will happen with alcoholic beverages maybe the same thing will happen with junk food obviously we've been talking about that uh more recently Uh, the same thing will i hope happen with vaping um so there's there's a, a few of these industry sectors which are in the crosshairs of um, you know, opposition to advertising. If you're in this industry and you're relying on uh, a part, of, part of that revenue coming from those brands, you'd probably be uh, wise to look at a phase-out uh, strategy on that but I would suggest that three years is far too quick uh, for that one realistically to, to work. I mean, you know, if this is a global thing as well, obviously we're talking just about Australia at the moment, but on the global level, every second bloody team in the English Premier League has a, a betting and wagering brand on, on their jersey. How many teams does Daffabet support? Like, it's unbelievable. So, you know, look, Australia might be the first to, to sneeze. The, the world will probably catch the cold again, much like tobacco, but, you know, three years, uh, very quick in my mind. Yeah, those are um, a lot of, you know, very interesting discussion. Obviously, a lot of parts are still floating around this topic. 
And um, I'm sure it'll be one that we cover quite extensively in the near future too. But now coming up after the break is an audio campaign review with Connecting Plots, Tim Collier and Chep Network's Amy Weston on works from Mars, Volkswagen, Stella Insurance and Amazon. Now, I'm very excited for this episode today because if I remember this correctly, Tim and Amy, this is the first time for both of you to be Mumbrella cast. Yes. Very much looking forward to your insight on the campaigns today. But, you know, for our listeners who are not familiar with campaign review as well, the idea is that we invite a few creatives to sort of do a monthly pulse check on the industry by looking at some of the biggest campaign of the month. And we say that, but as I was prepping for this episode, I realized I actually totally forgot to do anything for May. So I don't know if the industry's pulse has changed very drastically since we last checked, but, you know, I was hoping that both of you would be able to tell me about that today. Um, The first one we were hoping to look at today is from Mars and um, semi-fresh off the press last week. Thinkabell launched a new brand platform for the brand called For You Who Did That Thing You Did, which just rolls off the tongue, by the way. Platform positioned the chocolate bar as the perfect reward for the little everyday achievement. And let's listen to a snippet of it. Finishing a flat pack? Thing. Mars, for you who did that thing you did. Yeah, so there we go. It's a very quirky idea. Tim, I might pick on you first because you're laughing and I'm curious to find out what you're laughing about. (laughs) What are your initial thoughts on this campaign? I, I like to, to me, this is um, a really good example of advertising being much too clever for itself uh, and being like uh, so self-aware that it becomes like a meta commentary on the industry rather than being like a piece of entertainment made for consumers to help sell a chocolate bar, um, which is what the ad is meant to be um and i think that's a real disappointment (laughs) although i'm sure there'll be plenty of people in the industry who will love it simply because it's made by the hottest agency around right now um you can cut that out if you don't enjoy that um or if i want a job in the near future um yeah, I think like it's it's the it's it's quite interesting in that like they they make a joke about how they've said nothing about the product and then kind of posture as the joke being saying nothing is very funny to say nothing in an industry where our only job is to say something and that's way too much for an audience to think about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of my first thought after looking at the campaigns was seems like a rather concrete but also obscure idea both at the same time which might be like kind of confused me as well like you said yeah it would be it would be very easy to just say it's you know you don't need an excuse to have a mars bar true and that probably i mean like being the strategist that probably was the prop right like the prop was like there's no excuse needed to have a, a mars bar and then somebody like went and made that word salad for a for a punchline, you know. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Amy? What's what's your take on this one? I I think I just find it 
to your point, Tim, I think it's hilarious that as an industry, we get to do a brand platform or positioning for a chocolate bar. I think it's, it's pretty cool, I think. Um, and it, since the work rest play, which was kind of the iconic Mars positioning that kind of they used for years and years to do a whole lot of stuff, you can see how they'd be going, okay, well, what's next? And And to your point, I do think like it probably was just there's no excuse. You can have a Mars bar at any time was the leaping off point. And then you can see that a strategist has given that to the team and they've gone, okay, well, how do we flip that? We can't just take that out to the audience. And to their credit, I do think like have some fun with, if you don't have that much to say, have some fun with how you say it. Like that's kind of what you've got left to play with. Um, doesn't Sometimes you see an ad that you put out into the world is the ad that you had to make for the marketing department and everyone to kind of get behind the positioning not necessarily the piece that's going to run during the footy on a Friday night for everyone to go and go, okay, now I have permission to go and buy a chocolate bar. And I think that this is one of those pieces of work where there's all this kind of brand positioning that's had to be done to get everyone collected around a new kind of moment in time for Mars and off the back of that invested in a big piece of film um, that then hopefully will become a platform that they can use in an interesting way to do all kinds of different things that aren't that traditional big piece of film off the back of it. I think you can have a lot of fun with the simplicity of the you don't need an excuse to have a Mars bar or the I can't I can't say the language off the top of my head for you who did that thing you did um <laughs> I guess they're looking for that like old spy so what's that kind of thing that platform that we can use long term to kind of just have fun with a brand that is just selling you a, a quick chocolate bar treat I was um, wondering about this other thing as well, because um, as a part of the campaign, there were also some contextual out-of-home signs placed outside IKEA stores and on Melbourne's Punt Road to celebrate building flag pack furniture and navigating peak traffic. And it, I, I was wondering, you know, if people immediately see that sign, whether that's something they would immediately know what it's talking about at all. But I guess that's just like a personal question of mine. I don't know if anyone was thinking about the same thing. To really destroy the relationship that you guys have with um, the creative agency, how would you rate the campaign out of 10? Uh, look, like I said, I think I do think like it's a great piece of language that solves a, a problem that's not really a problem by just, just messing with it. Um, and so I, w I don't like giving a score out of 10. Can I just give it a clap? <laughs> a clap out of um, how many claps, though? How many popcorns? <laughs> Look, I don't think it's the piece that we're going to see in the south of France next year, but I do think, like, credit to them for, for getting a piece of work to this skies out there and, like I said, creating a platform that enables them to hopefully you know, do some really interesting work off the back of it. What about you, Tim? Are you interested in a popcorn uh, I'll be I'll be neither as generous uh, nor as uh, diplomatic as Amy and and give it a five out of ten. I like I I really I don't see consumers remembering this or like behaving in a different way around it. I don't think it'll be distinct enough to be like correlated to the to the product and have a brand association. I don't see really how it could have a yeah, pretty much any sort of sort of effect, but I do think the craft um, and the humor, the humor is not bad. I think, yeah, credit to the the directors and the and the scripting. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, moving on rather quickly to the next campaign. I think, uh, you know, it's a good time for us to take a look at this Volkswagen campaign created by DDB Sydney called Born From Tough Love. The campaign created a character called Alan from Volkswagen to take on a journey across Australia to face online youth critics, which is a thing apparently, in real life and prove their comments wrong. Here's a snippet. Ute Route 66. You said find me a ute with more power than my pinky and I'll find you a leprechaun. Nah, that was me. So? I owe you a leprechaun. Amy, I might start with you on this one. What are some of your initial thoughts on this campaign? Um, I think, like, there's a real truth not only just like a category truth that like there's a real exclusivity to those who drive a ute or a four-wheel drive who think that they kind of are in the know and if you don't know everything about the vehicle then you're on the outer but then for Volkswagen and Amarok to kind of recognize that their position within that market is not one of a leader they're not the one that the tradies are going to pick they're not the one that you're going to go do your off-roading in they're the one for the people who want to drive a ute but also don't want to use it for all its utiness. I think credit to them for not being afraid to kind of acknowledge where they sit within the market. It's interesting to kind of do that, break the fourth wall and do we create our own kind of social media tweets, comments, kind of make this is it real or is it not real content um, with I would question how successful that is, but I think like the space that it's playing in feels really right for where the Amarok sits in the ute category. Mm. What? How would you rate your um youth knowledge, Amy? <laughs> out of ten, <laughs> again. Youth knowledge. <laughs> I've worked in the auto category, so like I kind of have seen different positionings for different ones. Done a bit of off roading, but I wouldn't say that I fit heavily in the community. If I pulled up on a uh, on a Saturday morning to a sand dune, they wouldn't look at me fondly. Fair enough. Um, what's your take, Tim? I do own a youth. I know, like, I know that might look, I also would turn up to a Sand Dunes on a Saturday morning and get some very strange looks, but I do actually own a, I own a Ford Ranger. Um, and I like I, I, the thing I, I don't know. I, I didn't realize that this was such a, a problem for Volkswagen. I like, I know that online discussion about cars generally and, and youths, I like, I would fully buy into the inside that like, ute owners or people who buy utes are very vocal and very like um let's just go out and say it they're know-it-alls um but I, I i don't really see this as being like such a problem for the brand that they needed to address it head on and also it's like it's this thing of like reminding the audience of a problem that they maybe didn't know existed so now instead of thinking about the solution to that problem or just positioning in a positive mindset, you're now just reminding them to understand something that they do, they weren't even thinking about so that you can then get them to think about the thing you wanted them to think about, which is the car, right? And like you waste a, a, a third of the ad, like 10 seconds of the ad setting up a a structure that then lets you talk about all the things that you wanted to talk about, which you could have just talked about in the first place. It's like, if you compare this to the naked you, like that is such a, 
a better way of approaching like how do you say that when you take Volkswagen off it actually does all the things that you want you to do um or how do you you know how do you say that it's powerful and you say that it's um it's got torque and it, and it's and it's roomy and it's luxurious and all of those things uh, i don't know that this would be the the best way to get to being able to say that in an interesting way and to that point is it interesting like is it entertaining to see the scene where you've got a man surrounded by negative tweets responding to to those it like to me that's not that's not exciting that's and, and and particularly in a category that is very much about excitement it's very much about a dream uh that and let's face it i i live in kingsgrove most people who own utes are not doing we're not doing river crossings like they are the most average car in Australia now, most people who are buying a new car are buying a Ute, which is crazy to say. And so like, and yeah, like outdoorsy stuff isn't what most people are doing, but setting that up, selling the dream, making the aspiration for the life that this enables, that's so exciting. Like it's gotta be the most expensive way to win an online debate, right? Like, and, and that's the thing. It's like, to me, this is an idea that like answers the call of those who are terminally online, which is not a call that you need to answer. And especially not for like $75,000. Do you think a lot of what we see in this category is like product demonstration? It's like, okay, well, we need to do a montage where we see all those things, like you said, yeah, the yeah. Talk, and it's like, and then also equally in the category, it's like, okay, well, there's built Ford tough and there's built whatever tough. Yeah. Up and it's like okay well what's our position and our take on that and i totally like it's incomparable to the naked youth but i can i can see the steps that they took to get here oh yeah yeah i i, I understand like i understand the logic of the ad but for me if i take on a consumer's perspective rather than the industry's perspective like i just watched a 30 second video about a guy winning an online debate that wasn't that compelling compared to like, I don't know, like DDB has made some pretty incredible ads for Volkswagen, including maybe the most famous ad of all time that had one word in it and is much more effective. Um, Cause you already know what ad I'm talking about without me showing you anything. So it's like, I, I like, I would like to hold ourselves accountable to the standard, like to the highest standards possible rather than kind of being like, oh, well, I see how they got there. Yeah, definitely. How would you, out of 10, what's the vibe for this one like? Uh, I reckon I would give this one a solid five and a half to pushing up to a six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would agree. I think like six is a pretty fair score. I think, you know, big budget car ad you know some solid insights just not as not as entertaining or as aspirational as i reckon a big you dad should be yeah fair enough (laughs) and moving on to our next campaign today which is from stella insurance by indie creative agency coco gun titled it takes boobs it's the latest iteration of the insurers unapologetically for women platform based on the idea that taking risks 
it's not always ballsy. Sometimes it's also boobsy. Let's listen to a snippet. Embrace who you are, champion equality, or build products for a fairer world. It takes boobs. All right, Amy, I might go to you first again. Good What idea. What when you saw this campaign? Uh, look, on first watch, I I didn't fully. I guess I didn't know enough about the product, and so I kind of had to go back, kind of take it all in, and I go like, it, it it does know its audience, right? It's speaking specifically to women. It's speaking to a specific type of woman, and trying to be pro- provocative. So props for that. I didn't. I don't know if you immediately draw all the connections, if or or if it really needs to hold your hand through it. So I think like intent is there, but um, yeah, and I, like I do really like something that is single-minded. It's got something to say. It's bold, and it re- like I said, really knows its audience. Um, but I just don't know whether it's too much for the audience to take in.、Mm. What are your thoughts on that,、um, Tim? So I. I、uh... I put my hubris aside for for a moment and decided to actually ask some some women their opinion just before I <laughs> bulldozed into mine.、Um, and I like I I mean I my wife works in project management in the arts for a government association,、um, and I like to ask her opinion on ads all the time because of a famous、uh, David Ogilvy quote about. Consumers not being the audience, the audience is your wife.、Um, so I often take that quite literally. And、um, it was interesting because she she said, "I have no idea what it's selling."、Yeah. Um, and I mean, like to me, that is that is the only job we have. It's the first job we have. It's the only job we have. And if you can't at the end of an ad name the category or the brand. Then you've definitely missed the point.、Um, and additional to that, I like she actually said something which I thought was genius.、Um, and I often think that maybe she should be a creative. But、um, she was like, "Don't lots of people say it takes guts, and you got to be gutsy, and like that's already a gender neutral way of approaching the topic." And and I think like to that point, it's like. Um, I'm not hundred. I I went through the website. I'm not hundred percent sure how you tailor car insurance to deal with the unique proposition of being a woman oppressed by like systemic gender biases.、Um, I like couldn't really figure it out.、Um, so I I imagine that the the creatives and the strategists had a very hard time. With like being given a brief where I don't know what was on the brief, but I'm not sure what product features or brand features they were told could be used as reasons to believe the statements that were needing to be made within the brief.、Um, and I don't know that that necessarily then translates into something to be remembered. For the audience, or something to be recalled for the audience, the line itself, I think it's it's a nice little piece of like,、um, you know, snappy like sloganism,、um, and if that can be brand associated and people like remember the brand 
because of that slogan, then then great. It's definitely a piece that's like appealing to emotions. So it's probably going to have some sense of, you know, memory triggering moment. However, like, it's also a montage. It's also a montage with a heavy voiceover. Um, I'm a big fan of Orlando Wood and System One. And if you look at his work, he'll tell you that montages are less likely to be emotionally engaging. Voiceovers are better at creating short-term effects rather than long-term effects. It's definitely a big brand ad. So it's designed to be a long-term effect, but it's not actually creatively structured to have long-term effects. Um, they could have told the story of one woman in it and still had the same idea and, and then had a more narrative based point of view that would create that effect. So I I feel like they could have done a lot more with the same idea um, and the same brief to have a better brand impact. But I also think that like they've gone really hard to try and say something really impactful, really controversial so that they could get the attention of people, but without really, I mean, like, car insurance isn't going to solve women's oppression. Um, And so, like, again, is this reminding people of a problem that the product isn't really there to solve? And, like, so you've just reminded them that they've got a problem. And, I mean, like, reminding people about hate for youths online is one thing. Reminding all women that they face a world that was designed to not have them succeed. That's probably not the nicest thing to make your whole ad about. Um, if you have no real solution for that problem, if you had a real solution for that, then that would be fantastic. I found it interesting. Cause I, like, I remember when this went up on all the blogs and the, the discussion in the agency of people just going, what is this? Cause it is a provocative headline, right? And it does make people go, okay, you, you put boobs in the headline. People want to know what it is. By the end of it, to Tim's point, you're still not a hundred percent sure what it is. Um, equally, it is like I, I get so sick of things going. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna take a stand and we're gonna solve all of women's problems. And like at least it is okay, something that has a right to talk specifically to women. And how does it mm-hmm. use that platform and do that in a really engaging way? And I'm not sure that putting boobs in a headline is a way to truly engage with women. Yeah, and, and that was an interesting thing as well is like like in terms of bo- boobs is also sort of sexualized language. So you're adding to potentially like, I mean, what my, what my wife said as well is like, I don't want to have a conversation with some crybaby man about PC gone mad because he saw boobs on the TV. Um, and, and it's like, yeah, maybe it's going to create as many problems as it solves and then on top of that gendered terminology about bodies is also not very inclusive to your point I think I remember one of the comments that came through on our website is like just that you know what what about the people with no boobs I think is what they said (laughs) like are they not included in this campaign like is that not your target audience when you're suggesting that you're having your your insurance is for everyone Mm. But, you know, obviously from the outset, we have you know, limited visibility as to what the agency had, in term, as you said, in terms of the brief. But 
yeah, it's, it's definitely a very interesting one. Um, any final thoughts for this one? Maybe a rate? <laughs> uh, I reckon it gets points for bravery. You can see that like it's a, it is a, a client that's got probably a really big education piece to do and they've jumped straight into fame when mm. I think for, for their market they probably need to do an education piece first. But, but points for bravery to go out there and go, okay, well, if, we've, mm. if we are kind of playing in this space, let's go all in. Um, so I'll probably give it a, a six. Yeah, I, I go I go a six as well. Like I think some of the craft is good. I think it's always hard selling in a piece that is so emotive and not so rational and particularly to an insurer. Um, so six points for, for craft and um, salesmanship. <laughs> or saleswomanship, sorry. Sorry, yeah. my bad. Salesmanship. <laughs> Or, <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely a lot of interesting stuff there um, to think about. And now onto our final campaign of the day from Optus-owned Toco Amazium with its creative agency, White Grey. So the campaign saw a bunch of naked people running through the city, literally, to highlight the freedom felt by customers after changing from a traditional Toco company to Amazium. Sadly, our listeners here won't be able to see the visual for this one, but here's um, an audio snippet of it. Feel the thrill of Big Data Mobile without Big Telco bills. Amazing! I'm in too! Go on, feel amazing. Amazing! Okay, so Tim, tell us, do you think the campaign did its thing? Yeah, so uh, um, caveat, I worked... Uh, client side for a prepaid telco in my first marketing job um i'm not saying how long ago um to protect my my innocence um and and like it is it's one of those things where it's like prepaid prepaid telcos it's pretty much got one thing to say about itself um and that's the one thing that every single prepaid telco brand has to say about itself which is it doesn't have contracts and that's the big advantage um and so, like, coming up with interesting, compelling, attention-grabbing ways of saying that thing is kind of hard. And, like, do you know what? I think it's not that bad a metaphor. Um, and I just wish I got it faster in the ad. Like, I wish I understood it faster within the ad because then I could have maybe paid more attention to to the other details as it went on i also don't think it needed to be a 30 like if it, it could have been a 15 and maybe like some of the other executions will be like quite good but it really depends on the copywriting i would love to see the out of home to see if like you get that metaphor really nice and fast because i think the the visuals are really attention grabbing um and to borrow a phrase uh from one of my favorite creatives abruptive um and so like you know and and it's it's a it's a motive in that it's fun like you can't help yourself but laugh you can't help yourself but like i mean it's naked people come on like let's all be a childish for a second we all think that's funny and a little scintillating um but yeah i think it, it's it's not so bad for what is like pretty trodden territory um from a from a brief I just wish they hadn't said at the end that it feels amazing because I was like, <laughs> that's the cheapest gag you can do. Oh, gosh. 
I was thinking, I was just thinking maybe someone was real proud of their t- tagline as well. But <laughs> oh, they they certainly were. They certainly were. But yeah, I mean, amazing as always, sort of position itself as a disruptor in the telco industry, and they do try to show that in their campaign. Amy, I might just go to you now as well to get a couple of thoughts on this one. You know, what do you think? Uh, look, I think sometimes if you're going to do it, you've got to go all in on it. And I think that's what you're seeing here is like, yes, it's okay, we're, it's a non-contract, no that feeling of liberation. And how do you do that? You do it running down the street. And how do you do that? At the 100% you do it nude. And they've gone all in on it. And I think they've kind of just embraced, we've got one thing to say, we are the disruptor. Let's just go go for it. And I don't think it's particularly non-familiar. There are things we've seen that play in this space previously, but it's not like anything we're seeing on air at the moment in this category. So it is going to have some cut through. And I think like credit to them for doing it in its big, bold version of it with the diversity of casting, get different bodies in there, kind of just make it not the, okay, yes, they're running around the street and nude but let's make sure they're all really attractive and we will enjoy mm-hmm. watching them run down the street like there's some some truth to it so yeah i don't i it's not the first time i've seen brands play in this space but credit them to going all right this is what we're doing let's just go with it and go all in mm-hmm. yeah definitely and now finally you know the moment of truth out of 10 how much would you have how many stars would you gave amazing <laughs> How amazing do you think was Amazon's campaign? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got to say, I don't. I think the pun on Amazon lives outside of this campaign, so we can't get, score this one down <laughs> based on the pun. Um, but because of the craft, and I think kind of just going, okay, let's take an idea and literally run with it. Um, I'd give them a, a six point five. Yeah, I'll be generous because I love a, a dramatization of the of the product proof point. So let's call it a seven. Great. That's all of our campaign for the review today. I mean, to wrap up, I might get you guys to just give me some final thoughts, you know, in 30 seconds, if one take one takeaway that you found through all the campaigns that we looked at today, what's the thing that potentially stood out to you the most? What do you think, Tim? Uh, running theme across the four, I think is like better creative understands its audience well and reflects the things that it knows about its audience. So, you know, uh, next time your client, you know, wants to spend a lot of money on, on a campaign, make sure that you know, know the audience well so that you can do a good job. What about you, Amy? Uh, I reckon you always go through that test. You know, we go home at the end of the day and realize that no one actually really cares about what we do except ourselves. So which one of these ads is the one that my mum or dad is going to ask me if I made that ad? I always think that's a good test is if doesn't matter if, if, if my parents have watched it, understand what it's about to the point that they go, oh, that's right. My daughter works in advertising. I'll ask her if she made that ad. Never have every time they've asked me. But I think that probably the amazing one is the one that they would yeah. I understand it. I get it. I'm going to ask Amy whether she made that one. Um, and then if, if you put that test across them all, I think simplicity of a single message is kind of key. And it, the, the Mars one has one thing to say, which is not much, but it does it over and over. And so I think to its credit, it does set up a platform that they'll be able to use going forward. And then I think the 
boobs one is one saying something really boldly but what it's saying underneath is really confusing or just not clear enough because people don't know enough about the product so i'd say Mm. across the board you've got 30 seconds to say one thing say it simple enough that my mum can understand it and i think amazing done that the best today agreed I mean, can you guys right now recall the exact words that I think about used in that Mars campaign? That thing, you you did that thing and now you get this thing for doing that thing. Okay. <laughs> That's a bit significantly longer than it is, but fair enough. <laughs> guys over there, they know what they're doing and they're kind of, that's what they're hoping is that people are going to get the line wrong and play with it and turn it into a, a piece of language in in the culture that people are going, oh, I'm going to eat a Mars bar because I did a thing that's not a thing. And they're not going to quote it verbatim, but they're going to start playing with that language and playing with the brand is what I think they're trying to set up there. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Depends how big the media spend is and how good the case study is. Yeah, I was going to say, it'd be a, it would need to be a shitload of media to have the effect that people recall even incorrectly. Um, thank you guys for joining today. And um, that's a really lovely campaign review. And, you know, thank you for your time, Tim and Amy. I look forward to um, having you back on the next one and um, hearing some interesting thoughts next time. Thank you. Thank- yeah, thank you. Thank you, Amy, also. Very interesting perspectives. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to Mumbrella Cast. For us to follow or subscribe. Thank you again to Tim and Amy. And thank you to Shannon and Damo. Thanks, Doc. Thank you. See you next week.